Midwifery for the People is a podcast about reimagining the way we approach the entirety of the birthing year. Margot's goal is to combine her radical imagination with her knack for strategizing to bolster the birth revolution and a larger global revolution of feminine consciousness. Midwifery for the People is a production of the Indie Birth Association and IndieBirth.org. No material on this podcast should be considered medical advice. Birth is not a medical event. Now here's your host, Michael Blackstone. I'm back with Alan Stevo again, who has graciously agreed to do a follow-up episode to talk specifically about education stuff, which I feel like is really important to a lot of the listeners here at Indie Birth. Like we're a birth organization, but we also very much have a thriving community of people who are wanting to do parenting differently, raise kids differently. And so I think they're going to be really excited to hear your perspective on this and hopefully just be inspired coming away from this conversation to stand up for their kids and be brave as we're going to talk about. Welcome again to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Margo. Yeah, I'm so glad you're here. And so Alan wrote a book called Face Masks Hurt Kids, which I love the title. It's just so clear and to the point. So good job picking a title. (laughs) And let's start there. Like just the, the kind of short version. Well, it doesn't have to be short. Whatever length version you would like to share about why face masks hurt kids with, of course, the, the caveat being uh, if people really want to get into it, they should read your very well-researched book in its entirety and, and educate themselves thoroughly on the topic. But if somebody's just curious about this or wants an introduction to the, to the concept, what would you, what would awesome. you say them? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And thank you for, you said about the title that face masks hurt kids. It's a clear title. That's yeah. every title of the, uh, in the book, every chapter title in um, the book's about 500 pages long. So that's, I don't recommend beginning to end reading it. I've done that sure. about 40 times in the process of writing the book. And it's, I don't recommend it to anyone. <laughs> but what I do recommend, and the book's written this way, you wouldn't read a world book encyclopedia that way. The book's sure. meant to be a little bit of a resource to the chapter titles are clear, just as clear as face masks hurt kids. There's chapter titles about how you ultimately affect your relationship long-term with the kids by masking them, or face masks hurt the brain, or face masks cause degeneration of the mind. And these are, I I don't mean to pretend that this happens in 10 seconds of wearing it or anything like that, but there are certainly long-term effects that we have no clue about when it's spread across an entire population. We certainly have no clue when kids are involved during their developmental phase being in an environment where there's a lack of oxygen. We know how face masks hurt fetuses. We are beginning to have an idea of how face masks hurt fetuses. And this is if you have a pregnant friend wearing a mask, it's, whew, you gotta, you just gotta try to sit down with them and get the book out and just try to, now, here, let me get into that just for a second. The part of how the placenta works is that there's a gradient between the, the mother's blood and the fetus's blood. And some stuff is able, when some stuff builds up on the, the fetal side of the placenta, it's able to by, by it's able to move over. It's able to be pushed over osmotically by into the placenta where there's right. There's more of something on one side, less of something on the other. It, it distributes across the placenta over to the mother where the mother's able to get rid of things, get rid of waste, for example. And the baby can't do it in the same way. That's what the placenta's for, or the fetus can't do it in the same way. When you, when a mother wears a face mask, when a pregnant woman wears a face mask, the CO2 in the blood changes quite quickly. The carbon dioxide builds up, the blood becomes more acidic, and it changes that gradient between the fetus and the the mother. So the the natural amount of waste that has to build up in the fetus in order for it to be cleared out by the mother across the placenta is changed. The fetus ends up with just in an environment where we know when the blood turns more acidic, when there's more carbon dioxide in the blood that's unnaturally, not clearing naturally, all kinds of problems happen in the body. And 
you're doing that during, we know things like on day 26, if you are exposed to this drug, this kind of disability is likely to occur for the life of the fetus, for the life of the child. We know with this kind of precision, we know about how some things impact the baby for life. So the face mask is important. (sighs) We want to give the best possible for our children. All of us, all parents do. And this is a poorly studied area where it's almost certain that we're not giving the best we can if a pregnant woman is in a face mask. It's almost certain. And we don't know what the long-term consequences are, but it's certainly having an impact on the fetus. That's it. I'm going to, we're not here to dig into fetal health right now. I don't even know how I went down that road. So there's all kinds of things. I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah, because I think it is important and it just totally makes sense. I'm a midwife and we learn all about how oxygen gets from the atmosphere into a baby via all these different pathways and there's all these different potential obstacles to getting oxygen to a baby and, and how important it is that they have that because they can't breathe for themselves. And so anything that impedes a mother's oxygenation levels is bad. We just don't know to what extent yet. Yolo County, California in it Y O L O Yolo County, California. uh, Yeah, it is funny. It had on its public health website until I, I bet it's taken down now, but until early in 2020, at least it had warnings about face masks being worn by people with who are infirm in some way by elderly and unwell people that could be harmful to them because it became a lot of people wearing face masks in that area for fires. And it was just a little warning saying, Hey, don't pretend that everything's okay when you put these face masks on. And then that was good. That was good advice at a time. And then it, the narrative shifted. So the, the still good advice was dropped, but these face masks on your child, they're having psychological and social impacts. And it goes so far as to, there's a Brown University study from, I think it was last fall. There's a Brown University study that says children who were in full compliance with the lockdowns and around people with full compliance, and they don't know how much the lockdown part was the impact, how much the face mask part is the impact on the child, how much the impact of the teacher and parents wearing the face mask is, or of a sibling wearing a face mask. It's not clear. We don't have it broken down, but they estimated on average, there was a 21 point IQ loss for children who, who were in full compliance and those around them were in full compliance with lockdown. And that's quite serious. 21 points, that's a difference between normally functioning and that, that's serious mental impairment. I wish I could tell you conclusively, after four years, you can do that for a year, but after four years of not having a mask, the kid's going to be just fine. We'll have caught up to everything, but we just don't, we don't have that data. Sure. What we do know is it, it's hurting kids. And a lot of people are saying, you can, in their head, they're getting away with wearing no mask, but then they're saying, but my kid, I can't figure out how to keep my kid unmasked or my mother in the hospital. I can't figure out how to keep her unmasked. And they feel overwhelmed by it. I get it. They feel like they can't conquer that challenge. I get it. But your kids so need you to be standing up for them right now. There's no reason anyone should be wearing a mask. It is not efficacious. It doesn't prevent against the spread of respiratory virus. We have 14 randomized controlled trials up until the April 3rd, 2020 face mask recommendations were put in place by the CDC. We had 14 randomized controlled trials that demonstrated by that point that face masks are not helpful in stopping the spread of a respiratory virus. And they don't go into how it harms and it harms the brain. It harms the kidneys. It harms the heart. It harms the lungs very soon after, after it's put on. There's noticeable changes. I shouldn't say it harms all of them right after. There's noticeable noticeable changes in all of them soon after it's put on. There are issues like these particles. They, they came up with a new term. It's something like a mask-induced rhinitis or something like that. The little particles in the mask are getting stuck in the lining yes. of the nose and it causes swelling inside and it causes whatever. Yeah, It's happening in the nose. It's almost certainly happening in the lungs as well. We know from textile workers that eventually those fibers in the lungs can turn into fibroids, can effectively make the lungs non-functional. So we have all these examples and no one's willing to say, what could we be doing to our kids? Very few people are saying that. Very few people in public health are saying, what are the impacts? They're not using the 
the methods of public health that we've been told for many decades now are useful. They're just simply pushing this narrative of the face mask on us. And that's a bad place to be. They are unsafe. They are ineffective. Awesome. Thank you for framing that for us. That's super helpful. And Margot, the reason, real quick, the reason I know your listeners have heard 20, 40, 80 people say things like that on little snippets online, people send it to them on Telegram, look at this on Facebook. So the reason, one reason I wrote face masks for kids is so that a listener, you don't remember those 80 things, you, but you start, you remember how it made you feel. You remember maybe a detail or two, maybe, but you mostly remember how things make you feel. And you feel, a lot of people feel, I, that makes sense. I get it. That, that's No one should be wearing a face mask. And you might feel that way after I just said that. So this book exists. It's 20 bucks. It's designed to take about 20 minutes to, to, to skim the titles and to figure out what makes sense. It's meant to help you. If you're about to sit down and talk with someone, it's meant to help you refresh your mind and say, oh, those are points I cared about. Those are points that make sense. That's got a chapter underneath with the science. You can dig into it. You don't have to, but it's there. We don't have, we're in this habit increasingly of hearing this media for a minute or two, and Mm -hmm. then moving on with our lives. And we remember how it feels. We don't remember the data. We don't have it written down. We don't know how to get back to it. I don't know how I would find a video from four months ago. And then on top of that, there's all this censorship that occurs and whatever. So this book exists for you to have a resource even if you want to sit down with the doctor, with mom, with a, with a principal and say, let's go through these problems point by point. I want to hear your response to it. Oh, that guy who wrote that, he's not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. You know what? If the points are valid, still push the issue. Say, yeah, the guy isn't a doctor. and He's a real goof. And you know what? He's a little, he's a little extreme about, about how face masks are uh, such a bad thing for society. I don't know if I agree with all that, but let's talk about these points anyway. Totally. Yeah, I'm so glad that you put that together. Okay, so where should we go with this? I guess the biggest, should we start with the biggest question? This like how to get kids in without masks? Sure. Question, I think that's probably what people want to know. And just to frame it a tiny bit, I had said this to you after we stopped the recording, I think the other day, I run in pretty radical circles and I'm a homeschooling mom myself. But some of my most hardcore friends who will not wear a mask themselves, they think it's a bad idea. Like you said, are sending their kids to school because maybe the kids want to be at school. Maybe they just really, their life is, set up in a way that is required for what they've got going on for this moment. I just talked to somebody who's like recently divorced and has her kids and she's like, I have to work during the day, can't keep homeschooling. So at least for the moment, that's what we've got to do. And and they're like, I'm sending my kids in a mask if that's still the case where they are. And it sucks, but we're just living with it for now. So I think they'd be super excited to have this conversation around like, maybe it's it is possible, not maybe, it is possible to, to have them go and also not be wearing one. Or maybe kids in college too. Maybe that's beyond our scope today, but <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. What? First, everyone makes their own decisions. If you're on the fence about homeschooling or coming up with some other method, I'd, I'd like to really encourage you that this is a wonderful time to be seeing how little some educators actually are putting your children first. And yeah. If the kids are around educators for six, eight hours a day who don't share your family's values, whatever those values may be, they're being raised by people who just simply don't share your values. And that's, there, there's this myth of quality time that, that if you, it plays nicely to the 1980s uh, parent who wants to have everything. If dad's working 80 hour weeks and only sees Jimmy for two hours on the weekend, make it as quality as possible. And Jimmy's going to remember it. You're going to have great Kodak moments or Facebook moments and everything's going to be okay. But that's not the quantity. Quality is very important, but we shouldn't be watching TV next to each other and not paying attention to the other person at all for 16 years. But the quantity is so important. The quantity time, for whatever reason, we don't know. We still can't figure out what things children absorb and what things they, they forget. And Things may seem so meaningful to them at a moment, and 10 years later, they, they have no recollection of it, and we just don't know. And the quantity, having those parental values over and over, and just seeing things like how a parent does this and that, how a parent reacts to a face mask even, all these things mean so much to a child. So if you're on the fence, I want to pitch that issue that yeah. your value means so much to them, your time means so much to them, and they really, they just want to be with you. 
that's that so many kids even if they can be a little bratty sometimes so many kids just want to be with their parents and yeah the, uh, and, oh i was just gonna say Marin has some really great episodes about she has 10 kids that are all homeschooled unschooled so if you're looking for more inspiring content about homeschooling unschooling like we've got some other stuff over on like our podcast archives page and maybe i'll be inspired to to make an episode soon about what our journey so far has been like early on with just the three and seven year old but Yes, definitely. If it's something you're considering, please. Yeah, reach out. Our, our social platforms also a really great place to pick people's brains. There's thousands of really cool, rad moms on there, many of which homeschool. So yes, I agree. Jump off the ledge if that's something you're considering. And if you haven't jumped off the ledge and it's for whatever reason, you, the kids just have to be in school. It's, I've seen many examples of parents working out a way for kids to be unmasked and i don't pretend it's going to be the easiest thing in the world it could be you might be really surprised my, my experience throughout this has been some weeks i've had dozens of people tell me i didn't believe it could be so easy just to speak to the people around you and to say the people who are the authority figures the, temp, the momentary authority figures and wherever, whatever place you're in, letting them know what you need, that process. I didn't know it could be so easy. In, in this book, Face, a Face Mask in One Lesson that I wrote in 2020, it explains how to get through the door, get through compliance checkpoints without wearing a face mask. And it does it, a phrase I lean on is, I'm unable to wear a face mask safely. I encourage people to not do that at the compliance checkpoint, because if you show up with no mask in a mask situation, automatically there's all kinds of Things going through the person's head, oh, this person wants to kill my grandma, this person hates humanity, you know, what all kinds of things that the trillion dollar media machine has crammed into that person's head about how evil you are for not being as obedient as possible. In that book, I present that, that I'm unable to wear face masks safely. And I don't, when I start the book, I, I say, this isn't the best way. This is, this, these are training wheels. You start there maybe, and then you start to build up your courage, your ability to speak up part of why 2020 happened. The way it did is, is because of so many of us being in our beds for 20 years, letting government handle things without us playing the role of involved citizen, which is just government. Many people say government can't function no matter what, but if you stay in your bed, government's really going to give you some bad results. That, that's a promise. And I mentioned that in our last conversation, which I very much liked. So the, the idea here, I'm unable to wear a face mask safely. What can you do for me? over the phone at a grocery store, five minutes before you're going to walk in. Can I speak to the manager? Well, I'm a manager. What do you need? Well, can I speak to a real manager? You might say that. You might say, hey, this. what I need is this. I know you have a face mask policy. I know everyone's supposed to wear a face mask. I'm not able to wear a face mask safely. I'm planning on coming by shopping in about five minutes. I want to know what can you do for me? I want to know what do I do to make sure there's no problem at the door? right? Something like that. Mm-hmm. Some, some question like that is going to, and then the manager will say, oh yeah, we've had that before. Okay. Just, just at the door, explain it. Well, could you explain it for me at the door? So I don't have to go through that. Oh no, no. They're real good at the door. They'll, they'll be okay with it. Okay. What, what's your name? My name's Alan. Oh, my name's Joe. Okay. I'll tell him, I'll tell him Joe mentioned it to me that said it would be okay. Okay. And then you show up at the door. Oftentimes you mention someone's manager to them, even if they don't like their manager, they're going to say, oh, you know my manager too. You must be okay. Even yeah. if you just mention the guy's name. And a similar, where you're doing a similar thing in a school. It's not like that exactly, but the nature of what I've just described, you're having a conversation with someone and it's a conversation that, that may be self-effacing to, it might be embarrassing to you. It might stick your neck out there a little uncomfortably. And I get that. And you're looking at another human. And you're saying, I need this thing. I understand your policy is different. I want you to help me with this. What do we do? And this can be a very hard thing for us to do, but it's so important. And this is when we look at the difficulties of 2020 and beyond, so much has been focused on dividing us from one another. So much has been focused on me treating another person, and this is all modernity. This is all modernity that does this. Me treating another person like a machine, me treating, and you said in our last conversation, you called it transactional. Me treating another person, I give one input, they're supposed to give a specific output. And we got to break that down. 
We just mm-hmm. got to be able to talk to other people like they're humans, just as human as we are. And that's at a school, that's what we're going for. And we have this, there's lots of YouTube videos about people yelling. And I even, I like that face masks hurt kids is so thick. It's just, it's perfect for pounding on a podium. It, it really does <laughs> the job of pounding on a podium. And I get that. I get that it's good at that, but I don't really want you pounding on a podium when there's 40 other options before you get to that point. And pounding right. on a podium is fun and dramatic. And if you need to release steam, go pound on a podium. But if you need to get your kid through the door, pounding on the podium is not the first right. option. So the trying to figure out who the decision maker is. In a lot of schools, it's a school board. In some mm. schools, it's a principal. In some schools, it's a teacher gets to make the decision. Other places, there's no decision. There's no policy. And it's just that no one's ever no one's ever pushed against it. No one's ever said, what's our policy? No one's ever said, can I yeah. see it in writing? No one's ever asked those questions. So they just go along. And whether they're watching Fox or the New York Times, the decision maker just has the idea that this is what the rules are. Are those really the rules? Are those really the laws? Once you're asking these questions, in all society, in all society, we can, we can just listen to whatever machination comes out of whatever person claims authority over us. First thing in the morning, he wakes up, he had some dream, and this is what the world's going to do now. You can say, okay, yes, sir, I'll do that, or quietly comply. Or you can say, I'd like to see that in writing. What are the laws behind that? What are the policies? And oftentimes, in a policy written by a lawyer, oftentimes there's going to be massive exemptions. So ideally, you're going to look at, you're not going to look at the school website where there's four bullet points. You're not going to look at the email that was copied and pasted from that policy and sent to you by the principal's third assistant who's kissing up to try to get teacher of the year award or something. Um, you're, when you're given, when you're presented a policy like that, an email like that, you're going to, you're going to say, hey, thanks for this email. Can I see the, uh, the school's official policy? And I've found that it's even good to ask for a PDF of the school's official policy. For whatever reason, bureaucrats like to store important documents as PDFs. And that's like how the, the legal document will get saved. And it's hard to edit a PDF. Right. So you're getting a different, instead of an email, we all know email's not official, but right. whatever. Email's not impervious to change. PDF isn't either, but it's a little more. So usually these you get these official documents, they're three, four, five pages long. They're signed by a lawyer or some type of HR, HR professional. And the more, the smaller, the more granola, the more mom and pop an organization is, the less likely they are to have those kinds of policies. And the more you're going to have to rely on the conversation, the relationship. And maybe that means you might hate the principal at your kid's school. Good reason to take them out of that school, but you, you might hate the principal and you might hate the idea of inviting him over for dinner. That might go a long way in helping him to understand your perspective. If there's a warmth to the relationship, that's more than transactional. So just to begin, try to have that relationship, that conversation that isn't about I'm the parent, or I'm paying the bills, or I'm tougher than you. Right. And that's all over YouTube, and that's all over our society. But that's not, it would not be my recommendation for first step. Later step, maybe. Yeah, it sounds, and, and I love this, that this also ties in so directly. That's why you're why you're here on the podcast. I feel like it ties in so directly with our mission here at Indie Birth. We're talking about kids in schools, but it's the same conversation around, like, how do we have difficult conversations and how do we how do we communicate our needs and our boundaries in a way that is not violent and aggressive but gets the job done and there are times when that's needed of course but yeah like what are the the ways to really relate to people as humans and i've found that could i take yeah please could i say okay on this i may i'm going to speak about my experiences and forgive me if i speak out of ignorance to anyone i'm going to speak about my experience about some of the beauties of gender that that sometimes if a woman comes at me with a, a, a request and I've seen other women it, do it with other men I've watched it work like a charm if a woman comes at a person a, a man especially with a request and leans into the feminine instead of leaning into the masculine right. whew, it's like you can't it, it's 
so hard for a man to say no in such a situation. I don't know what it is. There's just something about the feminine that like is so disarming. And when you come ready to fight, listen, you better fight to win if that's yeah. the way you're coming, because it's not, it's probably not going to be willingly given if you come to fight, but if coming to fight works too. That, that's that what gentleness they expect often. So well. Right. Yeah. And so it can be so disarming if you come at it with more vulnerability and just authenticity and, and that truth. I love that grocery store example. Hey, I, this is what I need. And, and that can be hard for people. So I think we talked about it on the last podcast too, but if people aren't familiar with nonviolent communication and their awesome tools, I would give a vote for checking those out. First name is Mar. First name is Marshall now. I think. Yes. I think Marshall. we agreed Rosenberg, Rosenberg last time. I think it's Marshall yeah. Rosenberg. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Cool. Maybe I'll put a link in the show notes. There's a really great one year long like email course that Tom Bond does based on that work. It's really good. I'll put it in the show notes. But okay. So connect with. Figure out who the decision maker is. Try and get a copy of their actual policy that's signed. Maybe it's even a PDF, so fancy, and approach it with this, like, this warmth and this whole, like, just relational attitude. That's, yeah. that's a summary. Yeah. And you want to get that PDF first before you start the conversation, okay. just to, because if you're knowledgeable, these, even now, once you get your local health order, all these orders, anytime you read anywhere, oh, there's a new, just Alameda County, California, for example, Oakland, last night, they said, oh, time for the face mask to go back on. So that, that really? happened last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I expected till September, October, we'd be okay till the flu season came back. Me but too. no, it's last night was when they chose in Oakland. And the Bay Area seldom acts. They consider all the other bureaucrats and the other counties as stakeholders. So probably the Bay Area's got who knows? We'll see. The Whenever someone says something real official or the newspaper says something real official, you want to get a hold of that, the PDF of that public health order and read it. And very few people read it. Very few people who talk about it authoritatively read it. The principal you're talking to may never have read the, any of the sure. orders. So you may be able to enter the conversation more knowledgeable than that principal. And that, it just puts you on totally different footing if you can be an expert in something. And on this topic, literally 10 minutes of work, 10 minutes of reading some legalese and trying to figure out, you know, what, what it's saying exactly, you become an expert in a way that a busy principal just doesn't, right. they don't care. They don't have motivation to care unless parents like you stand up and say, yep, time to start caring. Yeah. Okay. So I would love to hear if you have some stories, some success stories you want to share or just things. Yes. Stories. Yeah. Let me, I want to, let me just pull out, let me see if I can do this with two hands. Okay, this is a, it's a rough and tumble story. It's gonna take, it's gonna take less than 60 seconds to read. Okay. This, is, this is a letter I got. We're really encouraged throughout history. This was early in the lockdowns. We're encouraged throughout history to see, to pretend that there's never any resistance to these ideas we don't like. That, mm. That's just in the past, there was never resistance. Everyone went along and there's never no period in history. You can't get, you can't get 90% of people even to agree on something. So no, there's always resistance, quiet, active, all kinds of resistance, always, resistance always exists. And the people who want the change to take place need to downplay the resistance. So anyway, in, in 1933, it became illegal to own gold. It became like a, it was a thing for people that you had to take the government's mm -hmm. paper money. So the grandson wrote this neat letter to me after I wrote saying there's always resistance in every era. He said, dear Mr. Stiebel, in 1933, when Roosevelt closed the banks, my oh great grandson, forgive me, my great grandfather, Marion Hezekiah, Kai Holden, old man Hendricks and old man Chitwood, that's all I ever heard them called, saddled their horses and rode into town Atoka, Oklahoma. When they arrived at the bank, they pinwheeled the horses up to the front door. Each man had a Winchester laying across the saddle horn. There was a U.S. Marshal on either side of the door. Old man Hendricks got down and went into the bank and withdrew all his deposits in gold and silver coin. He returned and remounted. Then Kai did likewise, followed by Chitwood. They were the only ones that got their gold and silver deposits out of the bank. The U.S. Marshals never moved. Be blessed. That's about gold. That's about horses. That's about <laughs> Winchesters, right? 
but that's true with all change in all history like there's people who are up for the change and people who aren't and you get to decide in your life in your community in your family if the change is going to happen or not and so like i hear all these people i've been writing for quite a few years all over i write for many websites and print periodicals and magazines and blah 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 i like writing for this website lourockwell.com the most because they put your email there and you get these like real these folks don't like they don't care for the government who read it and they like having passionate delivery i like passionate people and yeah. it's a cool website for if you're into like passionate delivery of alternative ideas so parents would start writing me and there's a dad in Kentucky, for example, and he was beloved soccer coach in the community. And he, he coached his daughter's team and they, uh, great team, did well. The mask mandate came and he said, I'm not, you think it's smart for a child to exercise in that thing? Are you crazy? And it became such a thing. He didn't, he refused. There was no way he was going to put that on kids. And it wasn't optional or anything like that. He wasn't having it. He wasn't having any of the nonsense. He didn't want, what kind of coach wants the disadvantage of reduced airflow for your team? Insane. He ended up, he ended up having to leave that role of beloved soccer coach. But in that County, his daughter that year was the only player who wore no mask. He was able to have success. He, Perhaps it's a personal failure that he he wasn't able to continue being the coach, that he stood up, he stood his ground and they wouldn't have it, but that his daughter was able to go and be the only player in the county unmasked is a big deal to me. And sometimes those stands, they do ripple out, they do have success. And the daughter might not realize now what that meant, but there will be a time, all of us know, all of us know, every single one of us know that our parents or others in our life did things earlier in life that we didn't appreciate that continue to affect us, that continue to impact us. And I think that's a story that will have an impact on his daughter. The, but who knows? The, there's a parent, a father in California. His son did not want to forgive me. The little battery indicator came on. The, his son did not want to wear the face mask in school. And they, the, they went back to school. The son went into the classroom like, Everything was normal. No face mask. They, the teacher freaks out and tries to get all the students to leave and isolate from this unmasked individual. And he followed his classmates. They, they, he walked with them. And then finally, they isolated him in the library, the school library. And the, they called the father. The father was nearby. He wanted to, he, he knew there could be trouble. He wanted to be very close in case there was trouble. The, they said, if he doesn't put that mask on and he doesn't leave here, we're calling the police. This is going to get serious. And they end up suspending. And he didn't return to school. He spent the last year being homeschooled and reading like the right. coolest. He got to decide. He got, right. he spent this Especially year reading that like age. Who needs Mises. It? Yeah, yeah. He got to spend this year reading Mises, an economist he wanted to know more about and that no one at that school was going to teach him about. It's like the experience of that family has been so beautiful to watch. Or um, a 14-year-old called me, a 14-year-old called me um, wanting to go into a school board meeting. I don't know why a 14-year-old want to go to school board meeting. There's so much wasted time there. But yeah, it's (laughs) awesome that he cares. It's awesome. And he wasn't going in masked and we spoke. I wanted to talk to his mother and he got his way through the door. They said so many intimidating things to him. I could, he had me on speakerphone and said so many intimidating things to him. It was vile. The stuff that adults were saying to this guy, administrators and teachers. And he, and I could hear on the phone. I said, no, don't touch me. No hands off of me. And this is a little, he's not even five feet tall, this kid brave. And they said, you need to get out of here. No, I'm going to stand right here. I'm going to listen to the meeting. So he was in the hallway outside of the meeting. They had kicked him out of there already. And then before the end of the night, he was in that room where the meeting was happening. He was addressing the meeting and no one was taking, insisting there was a face mask. So the police were called on him and a police officer did show up and the police officer approached him and reached out, grabbed his hand and and shook it. And uh, he commended him 
for how brave he was. And uh, yeah, no arrest. The police officer who also showed up unmasked thanked the kid for being an example. There's a dad in Arizona who wrote me, decorated teacher, two sons at the same school. The masks came and he said, I'm done. I'm going to go home. I'm going to homeschool my boys. And he didn't worry about his pension, which is maybe stupid of him. And he didn't worry about what are people going to think about me, which was also maybe stupid of him. But he said, what does my family need from me right now? And what he decided it needed was for them to scale back a little bit and how they're spending their money and for him to spend more time at home and for his boys and I have to go through the masking nonsense or whatever else could come next and for them to be prepared for that and to have time together as a family. And that I think is beautiful. And I got many, I'll stop there. I have many examples of people banging their heads against the, the system and choosing all kinds of different ways of walking away or having the successes. Yeah. Yeah. If any others come to mind as, as we hang out here, I'd love to hear them, but it reminded me as you were talking, especially about the teenagers, which I don't have teenagers yet, but I have lots of friends who do. And there was an article, I can't remember the title of now, but it was talking about, it was a teacher who wrote what she was noticing with her teenage students, high school students, especially now that as the masks were not being required anymore, it was like optional in that like weird limbo space, which like we talked about even today, like that they're going to come back. But she was talking, I think it was probably a couple months ago about how she had one student in particular mention something to her about how she didn't ever want to stop wearing it because now she was so used to it. And it was way easier to just go under the radar and be invisible in this mask. And others who were like, I'm afraid to take it off because I'm afraid I'm going to kill someone's grandma. And they think they're like these biological weapons that, you know, and that's been the narrative is like these, especially around kids. It's all those gross kids who (laughs) are spreading this and these schools that are spreading it. And it's their fault. And that internalizing of that message is so, what is that going to do to a whole generation of kids? And in my experience, I don't know if this is how it is in other parts of the country, but I've spent time here in Minnesota, of course, and also in Kentucky. And it seems like the holdouts a lot of the time are these like 18 to 25 year olds and like these kids in college who have been like beyond indoctrinated And I'm like, are they ever going to stop wearing them? I don't know if they are. And so I'm just curious, I guess that would be a segue into, have you heard stories or had experiences with kids in the university piece of this whole thing too? The the university, it's a little bit of a different story because (laughs) a lot of, there's so much control had over had over a student at that point and they're out of the home for the first time. And they're just, there's so many things they're dealing with. And if it's such a perfect time to get them and they're just trying to deal with so many distractions from right. There's, and they're paying a bunch of money at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. There's a bunch to lose. And if if they don't get that degree in, in four years on the dot, then you know, who's going to hire them? And if their first right. job's not good, then what about their second job? And what if they got kicked out? And my resume up. All these things. Yeah. And right, life is over if you don't do this thing and that thing. The, yeah, there's, I got lots of brave, I got lots of brave examples of college students. And part of it, all of these things, part of it has to be ultimately that you're okay walking away, that right. you're looking, you're persistently looking for the person, the right person to have the conversation with, almost any organization, you go through it enough, you have enough calm conversations and you don't, I get it. You don't want to have those calm conversations. I get it. You, you want to <laughs> yell. You don't want to waste your time doing this. I get it. But you have enough of those calm conversations, almost any organization, you're going to find a person who gets that you're not supposed to be forced into a mask and you're going to be able to convince them, just let you through the door, just let you do your business. And you might be the first person ever to have come to them about that. Or you might be the 18th and either way, it just takes a little bit of work. And then it also takes you being ready to walk away. Those are two things that really, and if if you are ready psychologically to walk away, you just, it doesn't matter. It it, it doesn't, 
you don't get as worked up. You don't get as invested in that particular conversation. If it doesn't go exactly the way you need, it's okay. You can always walk away. It's not the end of the world. It's not the end of your child's career. If you can onboard that and just keep it going with a calm conversation, this person said, no, who do I go to next? And this person said, no, how do I talk differently next time? Maybe this is the ultimate authority. The only person who can make the decision. Okay. Then how do I come back at it with something else? Mm -hmm. Cool. Thank you for sharing that. What else? You said you wanted to talk maybe about school board stuff. Oh yeah. That's, and that should be, it's a good one to keep in mind as again, I think homeschooling is great. I think going somewhere else, but there's times where you want to stop and fight. And if everyone just ran all the time and no one ever stopped and fought, then there'd be like a lot of awful stuff going on in the world, like even worse than what we have now. And sometimes I live in California. A lot of people, my neighborhood that I live in, there were 50% vacancies in parts of the neighborhood because so many people left in spring of 2020. They were just like, I don't, I do not want to be in California anymore. I didn't want to be here already. And I really don't want to be here now. And they moved closer to family. They moved to more rural properties, all kinds of things. But it was cheaper (laughs) places, all kinds of, and they were able to do remote and they were happy. And lots of, I've heard lots of success stories from people doing that. But some people say, oh, they'll bring their bad, they'll bring their bad politics with them somewhere else. And, but that's not, it's a different story that people should be concerned with when they move like that. It's not bad politics that will come with, it is the, the inaction and I don't care what your ideas are. If you're not willing to be active in your community when there's something you genuinely dislike or active in support of something that's amazing, then you are a little bit part of that, that problem because totally. the, if you might have the most amazing politics. You might just think masks are the worst thing ever, but if you're not active and you move to the, I don't know, where's mask free Florida is largely mask-free, but there's no, really, there's no mask-free land. I I have horror stories from Florida. You can't move and continue to be inactive. And I like to think that anyone who considers themselves an activist, there's some people, they'll like hold up signs four times on a street corner and they'll be like, this place doesn't get me, I'm leaving. And I like to think no one's really an activist until the officials that decide an issue know intimately who they are and what their priorities are to the point that when you walk into a room and they hear your voice, they cringe a little, they tighten up a little. At that point, I believe you're able to call yourself an activist. You're able to say, I have done what I need to do before I want to leave here. I have given this a real chance. And once you're at that level, once that's how officials respond to you, and it's very easy, like in a month, anyone in your audience can be at that level. (laughs) You... And if you want to ever talk about that, I will happily, (laughs) if you want to go into activism, um, in a month, literally, you can be at that level. Once you're at that level where they cringe when you walk in, where they know exactly what you're you're about, they become way easier to work with. It's, yeah, that's a nice situation. It's like, oh, you're back again. Cool. So what else? Yeah. Um, Before we wrap up. School board eventually is where, if you can't, you don't want to be alone. And no one's alone right now. There's people who think the same way as you, but there's so much energy put into causing you to believe that you are alone. So when you're picking up the kids, that might be as simple as during the conversations, sticking your neck out there a little with the conversations you're not supposed to have. So what do you think about these masks exactly? Or something like that. Just if you're making a point to to go to every person a little bit and to just feel them out, if anyone agrees with you a little bit, their cell phone number has to go on your phone. Hey, how do we keep, how do I keep in touch with you? I've enjoyed this and strong recommendation within a week, you guys are getting together for coffee or something. You want to come over, you want to come over Thursday afternoon. I was going to, whatever, I was going to make some lemonade. I was going to make some cucumber sandwiches. I was whatever stupid reason you can come up with to invite someone over, just get that person with you because there's so much, listen, we're not alone. It's just, we're simply not alone. There's so many cool people out there and there's so many people being silent about it. And so it's your job a little bit to, to be the one breaking that silence and you just get them talking a little, they, they give you a little bit of the right stuff, get their phone number. Then you keep doing that. You're going to have not just one other person. You're going to have, it's going to be three of you guys. You keep doing that diligently. It's going to be 30 of you guys. 
And then it just, three parents are a lot harder for a principal to say no to. 30 parents are like impossible for a principal to say no to. And at a school board meeting, if you walk in with two or three parents regularly, <laughs> like there's hardly a school board on earth where that's a regular thing. It's just a school board member can't bring in two or three parents. It's like the biggest votes of the year is when that happens. But regular participation in a school board meeting, whatever. I'm going to, so Margo, I'm going to make for your, for your listeners at my website, realstevo.com slash school board. I'll make a little PDF that I'll make it a few pages. Last night, you said we probably got a week before this goes out. It'll be done by then. Last night, I drafted it a little. I think I made 10 or 12 points, just paragraphs. It'll be quick. I bet in 10 minutes, you'll be able to read it. It'll just, the tentative title is something like how to dominate your school board or something like that. <clears throat> and I'll start there with making friends with a few other parents and I'll end with being a school board member and making sure your concerns are heard as a school board member. Because even as a school board member, you don't have everything figured out. It's not, you're going to have battles then too. And that's part of this process and it's okay. And it's how life works. And you continue to, you continue to do what's right. You continue to get together with other people who do what's right. You continue to do things in like a, a focused way. And that's political organizing right there. Like you, you end up with so much influence if you just do that a little bit. And it's a, the goal is to convince you that Mark Zuckerberg's in charge or that Cobra Commander Klaus Schwab is in charge or all kinds of other people. And you really can be in charge of so much with like fairly little effort, like probably two hours a week of effort. You probably, you probably can do almost anything that you want done in your community. It'll take a little while to get that momentum, but it really works. So I'll put that together. So realstevo.com slash school board. I'll have a PDF ready for anyone who signs up there. It'll zoom right out to you as soon as you sign up. Cool. I love that. And I think it's just such a good reminder. Like you said, it, it maybe just takes a little bit of effort and we really do have so much power um, over our own lives and our communities. And it's just sometimes overcoming that fear, like you said, that we're alone or that we're not cut out for these difficult conversations, but that's the work, especially when we're dealing with our kids. We want them to see that we're ready to do that for them. Even if we're shaking in our boots, like just do it anyways. And that's, at least that's how I feel about my kids. I don't, I don't want them to see me getting pushed around because I don't want them to do that when they grow up. So right, it's important. And I don't, Margo, I don't pretend that everyone should run for school board. It's not a fit for everyone, but by giving, so that, that PDF, what you're going to, what you're going to have there is just, you'll have a little bit of vision for if I want to run for school board, what might that look like? What are the things I have to do? What are the commitments I have to make? And it's just because it's so foreign to most people, the whole concept. Right. And I just want to help illuminate that. And then even just walking in and being outcome independent about whatever the, the principal says to you, thinking to yourself, we can always do plan B, plan C, plan D. Same school board can be plan E. And just to have those options in your mind and to realize that's another way to go. And if, if that person's anyone listening, if you run for school board, I'm happy to offer some pointers here and there. I've been very, I was seven years old. The first time my dad, I grew up on the South side of Chicago. My dad took me Chicago land. I should say my dad took me uh, knocking on doors for the first time when I was seven and politics is like a hobby in that place. And I've been around like real tough political battles since I was seven, basically. And I'd be happy to give any pointers to, to anyone who's stepping forward as a brave parent running for a school board spot or any office. Yeah. Cool. Thank you for that. My concluding thought before I ask you what yours are just is around, and maybe this is something, again, I'll do a whole episode on sometime, but I've been getting really inspired taking the leadership thing different direction, not that just as another alternative would be looking at starting kind of my own private yeah. school and hiring a teacher to then teach uh, a group of kids from different families. And like you said, maybe walking away from the whole thing, not that we're in that system right now, but I have some cool meetings set up in this next week to talk about that with people. And maybe I'll share some resources, like I said, on another podcast, but there's some really neat models out there and it's not one that I had considered. I'd always pictured myself doing the homeschool thing just at home and 
just me and my kids. And yeah, now seeing some of those models and learning more about, about the one room schoolhouse Socratic method models that are popping up probably as a result mostly of 2020 and COVID stuff. Not that they weren't there before, but I think it's accelerated this movement towards finding alternatives, um, which is a gift and really cool, a cool thing to come out of it. So maybe I'll do a whole thing on that some other day since I don't have my thoughts together right now, but I've been feeling inspired about that idea too. And having moments of, oh my gosh, like that's going to be so much work. And then being like, probably not once it's actually up and running and, and it'd be so worth it for our community and for my family. I, I know some folks who run, who run underground schools that the government knows nothing right. about them. And yeah, uh, yeah I, I, <laughs> I think there's a lot of, I hear a lot of people are happy with that situation. That's awesome underground feels right because then there's yeah i won't get into that whole thing right <laughs> yes it's the model i would be looking at as well. a woman i know in uh, san francisco she had a, a preschool and she said no i'm never putting those masks on the kids the county didn't know what to do about it they didn't right. they mm-hmm. did nothing basically which has been the story over and over again through covid that when when you stick your neck out you are almost perpetually rewarded it's, there's almost never been like serious repercussions for just taking a stand. There are some, there have been some, but it's like almost never. It's really wonderful. And she, her preschool, it became like, her waiting list became a two-year waiting Popular. list. Immediately. Totally. Yeah. yeah. We're not talking about coffee, but right. There was a coffee shop in California. I think that similarly stuck its neck out and said, we're not going to comply with That's any of this. And they got super super popular all over the country people ordering their coffee from everywhere wanting to support them yeah so it's I think those are really cool stories to hear about and but that's been at least my experience here as a midwife not that I'm like super super busy but just that there are people who reach out to me specifically because they know that I don't wear one and that I won't ask them to and I'll encourage them not to and so then we have that I had one client who she didn't okay this is getting a little off topic but I think you'll think it's interesting I can't remember exactly what part of the pandemic, quote unquote, we were in, but I showed up to her house for a consultation. I do free interviews with people and I usually do them in my office now, but at the time I was still doing home ones. And so I showed up at her house and I think I had even said beforehand, Hey, I don't wear a mask just to be clear, make sure we're on the same page, but I showed up and she and her husband were wearing them in their own house. (laughs) And they didn't mention to me that they would be. And I was just totally thrown off. It was so weird. So weird. I left. She was texting me like, oh, this was really great. Texting me some sort of like personal kinds of health related stuff. So I was interpreting that as she wants to hire me. And I had to sit with this. I don't know if I want to work with her. Like I probably don't. And then she texted back something like, so we're curious about like why you feel so strongly about the mask thing. And I said, I don't really even want to get into it. For me, it's a litmus test at this point. If people want that, I'm not right for them. If they don't want it, they probably are right for me. Like not a hundred percent, like that's a good first kind of checkpoint to get past for my clients. And so whatever you want to do, I don't care, but my stance is not going to change. And so she wrote back, Oh, I don't think it's a litmus test, but she ended up, she said, I'm going to, I'm going to hire somebody else. And I was like, that's fantastic. Cause I want nothing to do with you. Yeah. So it's like this really interesting thing where it's helped weed out the wrong people. And it's also really attracted people. And I've had pretty much everyone I've met with in the last two years has said, Oh, I'm meeting with you because of what you said on your website. Like I, I knew that you were the one that I wanted to meet with because you weren't scared to say it. And I didn't have to ask you, you just told me up front, um, Wonderful. which is so refreshing to not have to do this weird dance yeah. around it all. So yeah, just putting it out there. Like that's my own personal version of like, it's worked out well for me to be honest and brave and all of that. So thank you. Thank you yeah. for doing that. And thank you for, for being open about that. And I know in your business, I bet you've, you had to learn long ago that it's not about leaving money on the table. It's you do have to choose, pick and choose your clients. Um, totally. And this is, you were well-prepared for this, I presume for exactly that kind of attitude. And this is, it benefits so many people to have that attitude that you don't have to, you don't have to take every single person who wants to do business with you, no matter what kind of business that is. And that it, it benefits you and them. If you guys are a good fit for each other. Yeah, Absolutely.
my other just like final thought was these stories that you've shared are really helpful and just talking with you has been helpful. And I feel like I see other places where I feel inspired to be more brave and have more of those difficult conversations awesome. that I already was having. And so I hope that our listeners feel the same, even if this is not new information, just hopefully this conversation is like a rejuvenating thing. And especially if, and when the masks come back in schools or grocery stores, and I'm guessing they will, I feel more ready now that I did the first time. Like when it first came in that it was required, I just was like, I'm just going to ride this out and not go in any places because I'm, I wouldn't comply, but now I feel so much more ready, which I don't know that they're expecting with like third yeah. or fourth wave. Well, I'm ready to go in and talk if that happens. So I hope they're ready <laughs> for a whole bunch of people who are less, yeah, just less, less ready to not even comply, but I guess it was complying. It was boycotting, but also they're ready to actually have those conversations and, and not just take it. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, any final thoughts from you before we wrap up? Let's see. Okay. Let's yeah. face masks in one lesson. Very this good. is, it's going to take you about 10 minutes to read the pointers in there. If you don't know how to stop wearing a face mask, that's there for you. And it's going to talk about the doctor, the barber, airplanes. I know airplanes are done, but this is maybe not. It's whatever. If for whatever reason you feel like you can't do it, that's there for you. How to stop doing it, how to do it legally, how to do it safely. And it gives you arguments on why it goes into every single, in this situation, that situation. But you get the gist of it in about 10 minutes. This guy here, mass hurt kids, that's if you don't know why, right? The first one's if you don't know how, this one's if you don't know why. And the why is because it's harmful to kids. It's harmful to everyone, in fact. And I even go into why it's harmful for others to be doing it around your kids. For example, why it's harmful for the neighbor's dad to be wearing a face mask driving while driving your kids. So that's a why. And I have a website, realstevo.com. In the website, it is just a place to sign up for my email newsletter. There's almost nothing else on that website. I have a few other links, such as the school board thing is going to be there. realstevo.com, you sign up there, you're going to get daily encouragement from me, ways to become more involved. And I just... We're in a psychological war. It's not a kinetic war. There's no bullets flying, but it's very much psychological war. And it is, if your mind can be taken in that psychological war, your home can be taken. Your family's fair game then. And if you can control that battlefield of your mind, if you can have, if you can be focused on your values, if you can be focused on what you know to be right and not be worried about all this other noise and all this other nonsense, your home is safe. Your community is probably safe just from you being right in that war. And part of that war is to depress you and to convince you you're losing and to convince you that you're so wrong about everything. When the truth is there's so much craziness everywhere in the world that wouldn't be, it, it, it wouldn't be spoken about by people who are winning. The mainstream is not winning right now. It's, I don't know what will happen next. I have no clue. I can't tell the future, but the craziness <laughs> I hear tells me that we're winning pretty good. And that's an amazing thing. And I'll have for anyone, anyone curious about what it's like to run for school board, you go to realstevo.com slash school board, one word, you go there and you'll get a little bit of a description of that sent over to you. And you ever tell me, you ever write me an email saying, in my email, you just respond to the newsletter email. You, you write me an email ever and you say, I'm one of Margo's listeners. I'm thinking about running for office. You have a few minutes. Just let me know that. Just say that to me, please. Cool. That's very generous. Thank you so much for coming on again back to back pretty much here and I've been just so enjoying these conversations and I appreciate you and the work that you do and encourage people to to check it out and there'll be links in the show notes for sure and like you said you've got the you gave them the link the real stevo the real stevo.com and we got the titles of your books and good people know where to find you cool Margaret so much these have been so enjoyable thank you if you enjoyed what you heard please hit the subscribe button and give this podcast a five-star review for more enriching content and conversation around the primal physiological process that is pregnancy birth and beyond please head over to indiebirth.org and if you are in the duluth area seeking prenatal and midwifery support you can find Margot at DuluthMidwife.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.